This is a special CTQ Smartcast. We don't have an external guest, but it's Ramanand and I who are the guests today. We are often asked, what is future relevance? How do you choose to think, practice future relevance? We've also been asked to share how we go about knowledge management. How do we reinforce and apply learning at work? So we thought we'll record this episode where we talk about our own journey at CTQ, what our future relevance manifesto is all about, how does that translate into deliberate actions at CTQ. We also invited questions from our friends, well-wishers and customers. There's a lot of ground to cover. After all, we've been doing this for eight years now. So we've split this into two parts. Part one is where we talk about what future relevance is, our future relevance manifesto, and how we practice it at CTQ. The second part has some concrete advice about content curation, learning, and curiosity diet. So go on and listen as we talk about how we think about future relevance. This is the CTQ Smartcast, where we have conversations about up-leveling, deliberate practice, and getting future relevant. Hi, welcome Ramanan. This is going to be a special CTU Smartcast recording that we're going to do. So welcome to this. Hi, Harish. Uh, I should say welcome to the CTQ Smartcast because I'm so used to doing that when we sit here. So from my turn as well, welcome to the CTQ Smartcast. All right. So the reason why uh, you know we wanted to do this special Smartcast recording is uh, that we wanted to talk about some of the questions that we've heard uh, in in-person uh, when we are doing smartcast recordings from prospective clients, from people who just, you know, hear about us, hear about choose to think. So, you know, the, the questions that we're going to cover today are primarily going to be around future relevance and how do we practice uh, future relevance at choose to think. This is almost like as, as somebody, you know, said, I want to see whether you guys actually do what you tell us to do, right? So that is going to be the theme of uh, this uh, smartcast. So first question, just to set the context, what is future relevance? Right. So if you, you know, I'm just taking a historical lens here, the phrase future relevance. So our trajectories until that point had always involved knowledge, curiosity, experimentation. Uh, and I think for a long time, like other people around us, we often asked, you know, is what I'm going to do going to be relevant in a few years time? Maybe the time frame in some conversations was two years. Sometimes it was five years. Sometimes it was even as much as 10 years. So uh, I think uh, during the course of Choose to Think, in the early work we did, uh, we helped some companies with their innovation programs that led us to thinking deeply about culture and how that is born. Uh, we applied our own experiences of being in some of these uh, environments. The, all the things that we synthesized from our reading of books and listening to interesting people. So we realized that uh, partly what we were helping ourselves and the world do was this phrase called future relevance. And there was no real framework to it. So we, we are almost, we are assembling it. So what you're listening to us talk about today is uh, a glimpse at that work in progress. So to understand future relevance, you need to understand who are the villains that uh, we are grappling with at this point in time. One is that I think everyone listening to us will agree that the world is changing shape all the time. So uh, 
and no, 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 nothing better than the last couple of years to tell us that the shape of the world is very different. So every time you look out of the window, there is uh, some change in the air. It is, uh, and there are trends like digitization. There is trends like remote working. There is a trend what we call as uh, the rise of the empowered employee. More people have the ability to fashion their choices uh, in the way they uh, wanted to. And so all these things are, uh, this is not the world that previous generations uh, lived in and worked in. So that is very clear. The second is that... Uh, let me uh, interrupt you there, Ramanan. So I think the interesting part there is also the fact that things were always changing. Um, we, because of our reading or whatever, uh, we could see that coming. We always keep saying the future is already here. It is just unevenly distributed. Because we knew that the future was there, we knew that it was just a matter of time before you know, you're going to get subsumed by that future. I think over the last few years, things, the pace at which things have uh, changed has increased manifold. Yeah. So William Gibson, who made the quote that you just uh, spoke about, said this quote many, many years ago. But now I think we are actually uh, seeing it on a day-to-day -day basis, that uneven distribution. And so uh, the nature of relevance itself has got reframed. So uh, earlier, people were on that, ladder, that escalator, that conveyor belt, the, the whole game was about making it to retirement, uh, making it to the so-called corner office. But today people have completely redefined relevance differently. People are living much longer, they have longer career spans, should they choose to you know, use that to their uh, advantage. Uh, some people take breaks in the middle and don't seem to suffer too much in their career. Some people, you know, go off and volunteer for some time and then come back. So everyone's idea of relevance is very different. There is a lot more choice now, but there is a lot more uncertainty. And that's the next villain along with uh, the shape-shifting world. So eventually, you know, what people did earlier, because it was a conveyor belt of sorts, because it was a treadmill, was that your first goal was to get onto that treadmill and then just hang on. And so the you know the relevance agenda was set to other people whether it is your boss whether it is your organization uh, you know uh, leadership and planning to take care of your agenda now it looks like we have to own our agenda so uh, you know a lot of these things we've lived through so i'm really curious to know uh, whether you agree with uh, all these uh, kinds of villains right in fact you know i would uh, add a I, not a caveat, but a corollary, right? So the, the way you spoke, uh, it seemed like it is uh, meant for individuals. But the surprising thing over the last decade or so has been that companies have also started thinking like, you know, these individuals, right? Earlier, it was very easy if you were in a brick and mortar kind of a, of a space. Uh, you know, most important thing for a hotel like or a restaurant was the place, right? Now with things like cloud kitchens and all, that is not uh, true anymore. All those, you know, principles of success that, you know, companies had learned, uh, most of them have, you know, probably turned upside down, <laughs> things have been reframed. So just like how for individuals, there was this set pattern, set, you know, template that you get onto this treadmill and then, you know, do this for the next 30 years and yeah, you have a corner office or, or then you retire. There was a similar template, similar pattern for uh, organizations as well, right? And now that has also changed. So future relevance is as much for organizations and companies as it is for uh, individuals. And we have seen some of the 
you know these great legacy brands uh, become com completely irrelevant right so uh, and i think that is what has been interesting for me over the last 6 uh, 7 years to see how what we started off as uh, you know thinking about future relevance from an individual standpoint uh seems to be more and more relevant to both individuals and uh, organizations so that's yeah. that's my uh, comment on that a very simple way to do this is to look at the number of people who are you know quote unquote doing their own thing Correct. right so about even a decade ago you would or or two decades ago you would be a you would be considered a maverick if you kind of stepped off the line even a little bit it could be uh, you know women taking breaks it could be men taking breaks uh and uh, you know like i did between the job that i last had i chose to think and there is a lot more of these maverick like behavior which has got mainstreamed now so we are no longer surprised by a classmate deciding to take some time off start something new we are no longer surprised by a family member who's exploring new ideas for some time and so the the social something has clearly changed in all of this and so going back to your your first question what is future relevance i think uh, you know let's answer it this way let's ask what is future relevance or this conversation about future relevance trying to answer and i think in uh, my mind there are three questions one is that because things are shifting shapes there is so much uncertainty uh, we need to identify what will be valuable in the future and that keeps the the life the half life of value is now shorter and shorter and there is this uneven distribution of information uh, so uh, finding out what what is going to be valuable for yourselves for your team it doesn't matter if it's an individual conversation or for a team within a larger organization the site within a larger larger organization the organization itself finding out what is valuable is is something uh, we need to do to stay relevant the second thing is once you've identified these destinations these little goals these milestones uh, that keep changing how do you acquire that value uh, it could be through practice it could be through knowledge it could be through networks it could be through reflection how do you actually get it uh, get that capability to deliver that value and then finally we realize that there is a perception aspect to it how do you showcase the fact that you are indeed valuable at uh, these kinds of things so uh, i think to make it very concrete for our listeners and viewers let's take our smart cars uh, a year ago we did not have anything called ctq smart cars and uh, we i mean we've been hearing about podcasts and we didn't want to be yet another podcast but what we realized was the value that something like a smart cast brings in and so i let you take up the story of what we did to up level ourselves to be able to deliver this kind of value and the perception side of the smartcast right yeah yeah so when we started with uh, smartcast it was with a lot of trepidation right we were not sure whether a we are cut out for video video was not our default medium b there were so many podcasts uh, you know what uh, extra value will we uh, add to it Uh, to the whole universe of uh, uh, you know podcast right uh, so that was the trepidation that with which we started uh, but then we realized that you know just having these conversations uh, uh, with people that we knew we knew were examples of practicing some element of future relevance that that uh, we saw was a great way of bringing their story to uh, others 
and then slowly we realized that yeah we also had a point of view it was not just about we asking a question and uh, you know just just letting the guest uh, uh, you know take take uh, all the uh, talk time so to say right uh, so we uh, you know realized that they were also in it for actually having a conversation right i'm i'm talking very tactically here in terms of how we how the smart cars evolved but i think that is how we actually made these you know small experiments we tried out different things we tried out different formats uh, how to show the video and and all these things and got feedback uh, kept getting feedback from both the guests as well as uh, the the listener i think one interesting thing that we have done across all our uh, experiments is some of our colleagues at ctq are you know like consumers uh, who will take a very uh, you know unbiased <laughs> view and give us a very objective opinion on what sucks and what does not so we had that you know blunt discussion around how to make these things better and i think now we've got to the point where we are you know talking to different kinds of people there are leaders there are writers there are uh, you know people who would not fall under the traditional uh, you know category of leaders and cxos but have done something you know really good and have sort of uh, you know reimagined themselves and their place in in their world Um, and we've tried to draw those uh, lessons. So I think that is what we've done with uh, Smartcast. And I think if you look at you know, the 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 if you look take a meta view of this, this is the kind of stuff that we've done throughout our history of uh, choose to think, right? Uh, I mean, if if we look at uh, how we started, I still remember you know when we were sitting in your house and we were trying to draw that ikigai uh, you know diagram. Where we were looking at what are we good at, what is the world uh, going to pay us for, and you know, trying to form that you know intersection. The kind of things that came out then were you know what you mentioned, right? Knowledge, learning, engagement, uh, making things simpler for uh, you know others to understand. But you know that was again going back to what Clayton Christensen says that you know you. don't start with a a fair sketch of the future that you want to build just to actually start with a pencil sketch because things are going to change there's going to be some brownian motion involved uh, and then you may have to you know make some uh, random movements but the largely the sketch is going to remain uh, in in that ballpark right uh, so that's how we started we we did various experiments initially it was all about just you know delivering services we tried some product ideas again these are small bets uh, we we did something called as periscope which was about you know helping brand managers and marketing agencies uh, you know use some assets that they can uh, use across uh, brands then we did some uh, quizzing products uh, we did simple interest quiz league we tried something called as historic which then became iconic india um, we try to do a bunch of things we treated every customer engagement also as a way for rapid uh, shipping and iteration right there so many experiments that we tried out at at these places where again the our, our clients were also very uh, encouraging uh, and and happy to be part of this co-creation uh, where they saw that yeah these are the kind of things that uh we'll get to know only once we try and you know i think some of these things were being tried for the first time so there was no no history no precedence uh, to go by so those are the kind of you know small bets uh, that we uh, 
placed and again it was going back to this idea that don't go with you know one uh, prediction don't try to predict uh, a future because that is uh, very dangerous uh, look at possibilities instead of uh, you know one, one prediction and try to plan for futures rather than one uh, future so those are the kind of things that we ended up uh, doing and now i think over a period of time we have now evolved uh, into having this point of view on future relevance and um, you know the, the compounding habits that we uh, talk about again started off as an internal experiment people actually asked us well, can we join your internal uh, you know compound right when we started posting about it uh, on on twitter but yeah those those are the kind of things that we have done and any specific thing that stands out for you in the last 6 7 years that we tried and we did which was a uh, an example of this and both something which you know was not you know not subscribing to the future relevance uh, manifesto that we now have right actually before that uh, i wanted to uh, m- mention one aspect which is that you mentioned you know how we've got these different guests on our smartcast wide variety of them also you mentioned the fact that some of the people we worked in especially in the early days just were very happy to work with us co-create try out new things and so they had that future relevance mindset now looking back and similarly uh, all the people that we've invited on the smartcast some people we've known for a long time some people have just you know we've written to them they've looked at what we do and have been very happy to come on so uh, i mean before i answer the question of the present i actually want to say that uh, to be able to do this uh, we actually had been all the activities that we had invested or supposedly wasted time on in the preceding years had all come uh, to that point where this became possible so it's like writing your first book it's the the first book is you know a summation of everything that you've had in your lifetime uh, up to that point and it really you know plays a big uh, role as an input so uh, partly it was fortune that some of these people got associated with it or when we asked we got a good response but a lot of it was a groundwork which we had been unwittingly uh, doing ourselves so uh, that i think uh, is is very we shouldn't underrate it at all because all those investments have uh, paid off uh, in these ways people were a lot more tolerant uh, with us a lot more uh, you know uh, ready to kind of partner and it's it's almost like uh, building your own taste uh, over time right so so uh, all that kind of knowledge over time uh, helped us uh, do these kinds of things which we now call future elements so that is something i wanted to call out because uh, that is something we need to continue to do Right. Uh, we often talk about the role of present relevance versus future relevance so present relevance for companies for individuals comes from whatever they are doing right now and they are so successful at it that they forget to disrupt themselves and that's where the future relevance uh, aspect needs to be deliberately brought in when we started choose to think there was no present relevance for us we were discovering that or trying to create that uh, survival uh, stakes before we could think of future relevance but we it kind of still was 50 50 we did both uh, in parallel so that was a big uh, shift so coming back to your question uh, you know we we did a, a lot of things that uh, sounded like really weird experiments i think uh, the one of the weirdest experiments we tried i think was you know something called as uh, quizzing for parties 
uh, or quizzing for uh, you know companies to celebrate certain occasions uh, we knew it was a kind of a strange idea we actually got people to pay that was the more surprising part for a lot of people who who when they heard of this but the idea there was really to go beyond just thinking of it as one single point offering but to think of what is it that these people want from an occasion like this which they have invited us to do a quiz around uh, the person who is the uh, you know on in whose honor the birthday is and that actually led us to some corporate uh, assignments like you said individuals or teams it's the same thing so uh, we did it for teams where it was a occasion for the team to celebrate uh, you know five years of existence all the stories that had developed along the way those night outs and that in turn led to our uh, whole idea of storyfication for as part of culture so uh, really you do not know how these dots are going to get connected and so even these weird sort of things uh, even though we we are no longer do party quizzing we did a handful of them we kind of found ourselves in the middle of this network of these interesting people and party quizzing by the way was suggested by Uh, partly suggested by someone else. It was not something that we invented from scratch. So uh, I just to qualify there, uh, you know, party quizzing is not uh, a quiz on Harry Potter for uh, <laughs> uh, 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 you know uh, kids. Uh, that is not what uh, you know we did in party quizzing. We actually created a quiz on the person uh, you know whose birthday it was or whose anniversary it was. so it was a way of celebrating that person which as uh, you know you, you mentioned ramaran later we used that knowledge to uh, you know think about how to storyify values and storyify culture and you know bring the human side of leaders uh, uh, you know to to teams that is what we ended up using the knowledge that we gained from those uh, experiments but yeah party quizzing i think we do we still have the uh, domain name i think we should have <laughs> i think we do and i remember that one place we did this at was uh, for persistent where it's then ceo uh, dr anandesh pandey uh, he wanted to do something memorable he wanted to get people speaking about this was 25 years of persistent and he had invited a lot of uh, former persistent employees i being one of them uh, in anyone else would have just said let's do a dinner let's get everyone there will be some few awkward speeches and then you just wait for the food service to begin but uh, anand being anand and you know he said i really want people sharing uh, authentic stories but i know that just putting a mic in front of them is not going to work so he came to us saying can you do a quiz around it and then we further deepened the idea because by then we knew about party quizzing and it was a very memorable occasion a lot of these in very interesting stories uh, i knew some of them through folklore but uh, you know this became a part for me a way for me to dig into the the history of their first project you know some and and it led to some very heartwarming uh, on the spot memories that came out and told you what is special about persistent as an organization and so all these little experiments this willingness to try out a few things plus of course uh, people who let you gave you that space to try out these things uh, have really been aspects to our future relevance which we now recognize and i'm now trying to make sure we don't uh, leave it to chance right in fact i i'll i'll go one step further there i still remember this anecdote that somebody had shared about i think their first trip to the us 
and uh, you know some yeah. they, he lost the ticket or something and anand was very calm oh, so comfort. they lost their yeah anand and he were traveling he was the you know our storyteller was traveling for the first time uh, and interesting this was not a scripted thing we didn't right. know this was going to happen uh, and he spoke about uh, losing their baggage, baggage and they had yes. to meet uh, these clients and you know right. you're completely flustered i, yeah, I go yeah. back to the story yeah and and anand was very calm and composed i think that was the point at which he developed that uh, you know feeling about uh, okay anand uh, you know leading the company is great for the company and for me i guess <laughs> so this whole mythology around uh, you know companies and how you build that authenticity for leaders now some of these things will be passed on as folklore uh, you know this kind of a story is great uh, at the time right maybe that person would have shared it with a few people uh, you know that that he or she knew but that's that's where it would have ended but if you think of the power of the story the kind of things that it is uh, conveying that is what is uh, you know the the culture of the company and uh, how great the leaders are and you know um, how these people are actually walking the talk right the leaders and that is something which we know gets missed out right uh, because you're not creating that repository of these uh, stories and i think that is something like you said uh, you know what we took out from from that uh, event was this whole storifying of of the company's uh, culture and stories as we know are the best way of spreading uh, an idea so yeah if, if i as an outsider still remember <laughs> you know that anecdote <laughs> imagine imagine you know the kind of stories that are still out there ready to be tapped right so yeah uh, coming back to the other thing that you thought was not really uh, you know going with going was in tune with uh, our thinking about future relevance anything that comes to mind yeah so uh, i mean uh, sometimes you know we did do some tactical sorts of things so uh, I, I, you know a lot of the content development work that we did comes to mind when people come to you and you are looking to grow uh, you take up a lot of different work and because this tendency towards experimentation is something that uh, we kind of have ingrained uh, in in uh, i choose to think we usually our default is yes and we say let's find out a way to do it so i remember some of the content projects that we did were very very sort of mundane or not really uh, fitting with the overall mission of future relevance so this happened uh, but i think we still turned that disadvantage into an advantage it it taught us a little bit about how to manage our time uh, it taught us how to invest in say technology to say we we've actually written tools to help us generate uh, content and that which kind of you know something that we should do because humans are better off doing more uh, interesting creative sorts of projects so i think we did sometimes spend time down the wrong kind of rabbit holes because you know we are really into information and knowledge and this gives an excuse to sort of uh, write questions about different kinds of uh, topics or explore them but uh, in retrospect it didn't really do much for our future relevance so I think now we have a more nuanced view of saying yes to projects. Right. I mean, uh, it it did pay us. We we never did any of these things for free. <laughs> so you know, we can always say that we ensured. I mean, you know, in the journey from X to 10X, I I always say the first thing is to remain keep that X right. <laughs> Only then will you go to 10X. So first uh, is is to survive the present as well. So all those projects did help us on on that front. 
but yeah uh, you know we have to think about uh, I, i think being judicious and being deliberate about knowing what is it that uh, is very transactional and you know it's it's role in your life is to take care of your present versus what is it that is going to keep uh, you know providing for and building that future is is very uh, important i think we were you know pretty clear uh, on that so we've been talking about future relevance and i i think i also you know like name dropped uh, future relevance manifesto uh, and and charter so what is uh, what is this charter uh, and manifesto of future relevance that we talk about Yeah, so the future relevance manifesto by choose to think is an articulation of our point of view on future relevance, and uh, the first one uh, is what something we've discussed already, which is that fundamentally no one can predict the future, and it's really hard to for anyone to take a single stance anymore on what the future will turn out like. So first, think in terms of futures, like you said, the plural. which means multiple different scenarios some of them very good some of them not so good and some of them completely you know open ended can come from any side of the field so the so therefore the first uh, entry in our manifesto is possibilities over predictions think of it as port, uh, a portfolio of bets uh, so you will have some small bets you will have some big bets so the first one is about not putting your uh, money behind just one horse but try and back a horse in a race maybe more than one horse in a single race and also think of other animals uh, in other races mm. uh, the second one is this whole you know how thinking about what is going to be valuable what is going to help you build that capability towards driving that value and how to build that perception about being valuable so these three things those three questions we spoke about earlier being able to answer them and to keep doing this uh, because again the world is shifting you don't uh, the answer to these questions is also going to be shifting the third entry in this is once you've discovered all of this is to start you know leveling up but to do it very systematically so we have a phrase or a concept called future stack where we say that you know bunch of skills mindsets traits that you will need to be uh, relevant so you know you constantly work towards that and uh, you kind of think of what all you need to add to that future stack and some things you need to maybe drop from your future stack as well and uh, along with things like knowledge and practice i think we are very keen on reflection so reflection being a big part of this uh, because that's going to keep telling you whether uh, you are progressing or not and one trap that we all often tell people is that yeah you you've done all these exercises you've come up with Uh, you came up with a manifesto like this and then the present kind of intervenes right so your future relevance is a is, is a problem of uh, it's important but not urgent and so we often tell people that that's what you need to be aware about so it has to be as as much about the systematic side as it is about the up leveling side so so far we've talked about possibilities over prediction uh, becoming valuable and learning what is going to be valuable then actually systematically up leveling so there are remaining three the fourth uh, item on this list is creating that deliberate system and culture uh, which will allow these things to happen even if you are sort of not consciously paying attention it is allowing your the system one of the team or of the individuals to just just go with the flow and get it done so this is where you know defining your values defining what are the practices 
using the stories to convey those practices in real life all those things really come so we've really discovered the power of culture uh, especially in the last uh, two years the next one is uh, what we call as compounding or compounding habits so we all know the power of compounding in in the world of investing in fact what you said earlier about these trivial things like you know capturing a story happens and uh, you know you lose your baggage how you respond to it becomes a little bit of a uh, interesting note in your mind but the trivial done regularly done uh, systematically done repeatedly can have this outsized view so i tell you the story you tell that story to five other people it just can compound from there onwards and so you really don't know the fact that uh, people build this entire perception about an organization based on just maybe one story told 100 times to 1000 different people so there is a huge compounding effect not just in finances but in the world of knowledge but in the world of social networks uh, and so compounding habits is something that we are really you know we had to be part of our future relevance manifesto and the last thing is that for compounding to really work for your culture really to pay uh, dividends this is going to be a long game. Uh, paradoxically, we individuals have longer career spans, but teams seem to have, and organizations seem to be there for fewer and fewer times on these Fortune 500 lists and other such lists. So uh, individuals need to take that long game, and organization need to invest in individuals and give them that uh, long uh, game. And so together, this forms our future relevance manifesto. Right. So, uh, just trying to sum it up uh, here, uh, uh, Ramanand. The first one is possibilities over predictions. Second one is becoming valuable. Third is systematic upleveling. Fourth is being deliberate about your culture. Fifth is uh, compounding, and sixth is being ready to play the long game. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we've listed these, uh, you know, points uh, from our future relevance uh, manifesto. How does choose to think work on its future relevance, right? I mean, what are uh, the things that we do, which is you know in sync with this, is, has come out as, as as a result of our thinking around these these aspects of future relevance? Right. So let's start with possibilities over predictions. So uh, you know, I think we are all aware that the the way everyone is going to work and live in the forthcoming uh, few years. Is it's going to be very digital, it's going to be very networked, it's going to be very diverse. You may be working with a wide variety of people across ages, backgrounds. Sometimes you may not even know their true diversity uh, because they're, they're, you know, they're just a handle for you. And so being able to work in an environment like this uh, is something that we've recognized. Uh, in fact, before this, uh, I, we didn't talk so much about the fact that we went remote or we were distributed right from day one. And for us, uh, in fact, it didn't even sound like such a big thing because um, it was just a point of view that had organically developed for us over a period of time. And it felt like that's how the future was going to be like. So today, everyone talks about hybrid work. And I think, uh, you know, for us, it was like a, a no-brainer. I think it came long back. So there are different possible ways in which you could practice remote work. And we've done our share of working uh, we have actually, you know, all been entirely remote. We worked from different uh, cities and continents on occasion. We've gotten together in, under the same roof to do few pomodoros together. So we've taken these different scenarios. What happens if, uh, you know, we all need to work together? Can we do it? What happens if we need to meet in a conference room and kind of have that 
uh, all hands equivalent for choose to think. So we we always kind of never put ourselves in a in a box. One you know so so these kinds of things have been part of our possibilities over predicts. We never said that the world is going to be remote in in few years. Therefore, we should adopt this. We said yeah, this is what we want to try out. Uh, let's try these different possibilities. One question I actually wanted to ask you because you, in some sense, are uh, you know the first line of contact for people I choose to think, and you meet a wide variety of people. Is that uh, from when you see the ecosystem under which choose to think uh, operates? How do you see this this first point or the first many aspects of our uh, manifesto? Uh, you know, reflecting in the choices we made about how how to be part of that ecosystem. Right. I think, you know, uh, this is something that one of our clients, friends, well-wishers, uh, Prashant K.S. Prashant also, uh, you know, uses uh, a, a lot, right? He, I think, uses the term metaverse or, or basically the ecosystem. So, I think... Hyperspace. I think hyperspace is what he uses. Yes, yes. So, um, uh, I think that is something which we should look at when we talk about the word ecosystem. It is not just about... You as a company, you're always going to be limited by what you can achieve uh, as a company, right? So we have always tried to take advantage of, you know, everyone, anyone and everyone out there in that hyperspace and look at what is the, uh, you know, disproportionate amount of value that we can generate, right? So there have been these, uh, just as taking the example of, this, this decision to go remote, right? Always uh, be remote. If you look at that, uh, you know, how would a traditional organization uh, seen that, that decision, right? That I ideally need to have an office space. If not, I need to go and, uh, you know, take a co-working space for some people and, uh, you know, let, let people go hybrid, which is what most people are thinking of doing right now. But we actually, you know, looked at all possible, you know, partners in our ecosystem from pubs to cafes, uh, which a lot of, you know, startups also do. But we also looked at, you know, a, a, a startup then, I think, which doesn't exist anymore, but which used to allow us to rent office spaces, right? So you look at all of these things. So don't restrict yourself to the capability that you as an organization, as, as a closed unit possesses, but look at, you know, the whole ecosystem and look assume that as your capability just thinking like that suddenly changes your horizon suddenly changes the expanse to which you know you you want to look at and i think that is something which uh, you know we've we've been very good at and been very shameless about as well right that yeah these are all things that are there to be exploited there to be uh, uh, taken so i think that is something which um, which, which we have, you know, tried to do and I think, you know, going forward for not just us or companies of our size, everyone needs to start thinking about that, right? I mean, some of these things have been timeless, right? I mean, uh, your auto companies have always tried to develop their vendors and, you know, try to uh, think about their welfare, uh, you know, build, there's this concept of building uh, those vendors because when they succeed, that's when the larger organization also succeeds. It's the same thing for everyone. You know, think of all your partners, potential, you know, who, who are not working with you right now. But how can you leverage this power uh, and, and not just restrict yourself, don't, you know, try to slice it away 
and say that yeah you know that person that company you know not not part of uh, what we are doing and this is something which we have used in some of our uh, work right where we uh, have uh, worked with a lot of freelancers right if you think of freelancers as companies of one right uh, the the traditional way of thinking about this is that yeah if i want content to be created if i want events to be hosted i need to have this content creators i need to have these uh, you know hosts on my roles uh, but then it you know just just imagine the you know on the ground situation right you've hired someone uh, that person doesn't have enough work for uh, the entire duration of the day uh, they may just get frustrated right that what am i doing here and you just try to uh, create work for them which is not ideally the kind of work they want to do or what will you know create value for the company but you want to keep that person occupied because you are you know hiring them and, and you think you now own 8 hours of that person <laughs> so you know these are the kind of things where uh, you know working with freelancers being open and transparent with them that this is where we think you can you know deliver great value there is something which is of interest to you uh, we've hired freelancers we've you know had a very you know stringent empanelment uh, process with checklists and guidelines just to make sure that they really love what uh, you know they're wanting to do and i i i've heard this from some of the people that have worked with us that they, they enjoy you know working with us lot more than their so called day job some people have you know left their day jobs because they you know got a taste of you know what uh, they they always wanted to do and realized that they can make a career out of it and you know, some of them are working with us as partners still uh, but yeah that's that's the view that i think we should be looking taking when we are talking about this whole uh, ecosystem and again that's it's about you know questioning that traditional you know thought process uh, which is where we are saying think of possibilities uh, you know rather than going with one prediction right i actually wanted to take off on what you just said which is uh, this uh, experimentation of physical spaces and different models of working we've also done that on the in the digital realm because that is increasingly becoming everyone's second home uh, it's you know so uh, whether it is how a space to do just engagement in a space to just do learning in all these different community apps i think we we go in we dabble with them uh, we try it internally so there is that uh, you know in desire to explore these possibilities as soon as they come up and so you will see a lot of early adopters among choose to think uh, employees in in their own respective ways the other thing is that even i realized as we speak that words like employees words like career uh, is really not uh, something that we should even be using maybe uh, we've often spoke about this film crew model where people come together for a project or a uh, and you know they disband sometimes what it means is that yes uh, when a project ends you are now looking at or you're actually pitching a project even to your freelancer your, your so called employee you never can really take them for granted and say this is the i have a relationship where uh, you will expect work from me i will dump work on you and uh, that's how it goes but i often almost see it as i need to persuade this person to be get interested in this project uh, i have to pitch it to them and they may the power balance may still be in my favor but i cannot you know see them and treat them as uh, employees and similarly 
like you said you know they they kind of like working with us a lot of people have definitely told us they like our process of interviewing because they kind of it's uh, it's very you know something that you do a lot of interesting things in it but maybe instead of career we should even substitute that they uh, they don't see that they will build a career with us they they know that their future relevance is a lot more secure with us or that's the direction in which they would like to move it and they are using us again in the same way that we are using them and i'm using the word using in a very non judgmental sort of way we are really leveraging the power of the ecosystem that we worked in and because we are going to live in this networked and diverse world all these things are the skills that we need to do so we need to encourage people to go check out new things uh, ask for help offer help to others and all of this was not uh, incentivized earlier but if you don't do this now you're going to be irrelevant that's right. i think our point of view yeah uh, i'll also ask you about any specific you know deliberate thing that we do at choose to think which is aimed at you know making sure we are thinking about possibilities over predictions now is there something that uh, we do yeah so two things one is that if you see i mean one from a business point of view we often take up wide variety of projects that teach us a lot of things uh, and then we invest we put our uh, you know muscle behind uh, one of them so just to give you an example we've often done interesting projects uh, for instance like uh, can you help us reframe our onboarding process now we are not experts necessarily in onboarding but we are experts in thinking afresh and that's what we did for this company and this actually came around a time that they were starting to offer remote jobs and i think uh, uh, from what i hear that experiment really kick started a new way of uh, doing onboarding so we do spread our activities over multiple areas we we kind of that can be a strength and a weakness like we discussed earlier in uh, this episode but internally uh, once we realize that we need to keep discussing these scenarios we need to discuss what if uh, you know we didn't have power because we are so entirely dependent on uh, our electricity and our second home the the internet so this scenario is something we shouldn't take for granted and so over time uh, we said that we need to have a, a systematic way to kind of keep learning and keep putting ourselves in these different future scenarios however trivial they may seem and so we started something called as the the future ring the weekly future ring wherein we ask one question to each other we take turns in answering them there are often these scenarios i think our current question is about one practice that at work that we think will become obsolete uh, very soon and you know you answered uh, something like bio like identification i think you know get coming in the organization and kind of having to show your identity that is probably going to be very different now because you may not have a physical office to prove your uh, access to uh, you know things we in fact uh, we have been running some scenario sessions for companies uh, around hybrid work and someone said maybe you need to add uh, their vaccination status to whether right. they can enter an office so these are all scenarios that uh, come from the realm of imagination uh, it is not so much about getting the answer right it is really about keeping that muscle of you know if you were in this position what will you do right yeah it's i think it's a uh, being ready to face these kind of scenarios uh, and not be surprised or not be shocked not get caught like a you know deer in uh, headlights kind of a thing right um, you don't get frozen because you suddenly uh, put off by the situation because every day every week when things are normal you are imagining these kind of scenarios and uh, so 
nothing basically surprises you i think it is the message that uh, we take uh, there if you like this we know you care about your and your team's future relevance you can find us and you know click on the subscribe button on youtube spotify google and apple podcasts you can also find us on twitter linkedin facebook and instagram there are two ways to enter the insider group of friends of ctq a telegram channel where you'll get daily tidbits that help you think about future relevance and our weekly email newsletter called the up leveler we've got some fabulous testimonials from our subscribers we share special discount codes for ctq compounds and exclusive invitations to our events on both these channels just go to choose to think.com that is think with a q and you'll find all the links to subscribe you owe it to yourself